Same thing with marketing. We want to make sure we know who we're talking to, what problem we're solving. So when I translate that into how we build our best life, it's getting really clear up front about how we want to feel. Because no matter what we think we want to want, if think we want, like if we think we want to start a business or we want to land 10 more clients, there's really a feeling behind that that we're after. Hi, I'm Caitlin Pyatt, owner of Authentic Branding and Marketing, where I work with female entrepreneurs to brand, market, and grow their small businesses. I'm your host for this podcast, Startup Marketing. I'm a mom of three and entrepreneur, so if you ever hear little kids in the background, it's just my life, trying to make this all work while I build a business. I worked as a corporate marketer for over 12 years, where I focused on marketing and branding strategy, along with marketing management. Often, I heard small business owners say they weren't doing any marketing because they couldn't afford to outsource it to an agency and they didn't know how to do it themselves. When I started my business, I knew I could take my expertise and my experience to help women thrive by teaching them how to create strategic marketing plans they could feel confident about and show them the tools to make managing their marketing easy and efficient. So if you're an entrepreneur out there who's Googling how to brand and market your business, you've come to the right place. The goal of Startup Marketing is to make all of my marketing knowledge accessible and actionable so you can take it and level up your business. I'm a huge marketing nerd and I'm passionate about sharing everything I know with you. This podcast is genuinely one of my favorite things to create. So get ready to learn about all things marketing. Hello and welcome to Startup Marketing. Today we're going to take a fun journey with our guest Mandy Kubitschek. As a certified life coach, Mandy Kubitschek helps high-achieving women who want to love their work and are tired of feeling unsure. Before training with Martha Beck, aka Oprah's life coach, Mandy spent 12 years overachieving in the software industry. She has an MBA from Washington University in St. Louis, a BS from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Reiki School, and is a lifelong learner. Known for her insightful questions and giant salads, Mandy lives in downtown Omaha, Nebraska with her husband and boxer coonhound. If you want to love your work life, visit www.coachkubacheck.com for free digital resources linked in the show notes. Mandy and I have been coordinating for a long time to have her as a guest on the show, and I have been anxiously awaiting our time together because she speaks to a process that I don't think gets enough attention or conversation from entrepreneurs. And that's this idea of redefining success and really understanding what you're trying to accomplish so you can be as happy as possible in your journey and making that journey really unique and fulfilling to you and not based on what everyone else thinks or says that it should be. So during the times that I've heard Mandy speak about her work, I felt that it really helps get to the essence of personal branding, which I've really come to realize as an entrepreneur is not actually that different from your business branding. Mandy is such a delight to chat with. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Mandy, and welcome to Startup Marketing. I'm excited to have you here today. Good morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, I am. I have been waiting for this interview for a long time. So I'm finally, I'm excited that it's finally here. So tell us a little bit about your background and what it is you do. Yeah. Um, Well, to start with, you know, those women who are like uber into personal growth, they take a bunch of personality assessments. They've read some self-help books. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Maybe you, definitely me. (laughs) Well, when those women get fed up with not loving their work life, I help. 
So I've been doing that for about three years as a certified life coach here in Omaha. And before that, I spent 12 years in the software industry. So I kind of blend those worlds of software and life coaching. That's very cool. So hello, children. <laughs> we are splitting duties this morning. Hudson, are you good? So my seven-year-old's in charge of my seven-month-old, if that gives you any indication. Of like <laughs> it's going to go great. How, how organized we are this morning. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the process and the steps that you take your clients through when you're helping them through whatever it is that they are fed up with. Yeah, yeah. Great question. So my coaching is very... Um, like you'd probably say it's a blend of art and science and on a one-on-one -on -one level it's a very creative open space so wherever you are you bring your gunk and we work through it so to kind of support that i've created a framework um, that i teach clients through my e-course career clarity so that no matter where you are in the journey you're still learning the ins and outs of how i am helping you build a work life that you love. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the, I call it the love Monday method. It's three steps, plan, iterate, refactor, which I mentioned my tech background. It kind of, um, those are definitely words with a nod to the agile software methodology. Um, probably a lot of people are familiar with this idea of agile. We talk about it in every industry now. Yeah. Um, but at a glance, so the first step plan in the software world, that's about before we build anything, we want to make sure we're solving the right problem, mm -hmm. right? Same mm -hmm. thing with marketing. We want to make sure we know who we're talking to, what problem yeah. we're solving. Yeah. So when I translate that into how we build our best life, it's getting really clear up front about how we want to feel. Because no matter what we think we want to want, if think we want, like if we think we want to start a business or we want to land 10 more clients, there's really a feeling behind that that we're after. So that's the first step. We can definitely talk more about that because that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, I, I like this process a lot because, and I know like initially when I said like, hey, come be on my podcast, it was like, how are we going to marry this like coaching process that you go through to marketing? But I think that it's really, um, they're very, very similar because when I think about like your process and especially that planning part, when you talk about like, how do you want to feel in your business? I think as an entrepreneur, especially like starting with where you want to be personally and building your business off of that is really critical because in my mind, you don't really separate your yourself from your brand as a, especially as a solopreneur. Um, you know, I think you could maybe make a different argument if you are thinking about like having a small team or something like that kind of right off the bat. But as a solopreneur, you, however you feel about what you're doing personally, I think really kind of becomes your personal brand, which directly translates over to the brand that you end up building because you, you go into the process, like they're one in the same, right? Like I, yeah. who, who I am in my business is built off directly off of what I wanted to feel and how I wanted to feel 
when I even started going down this path, because this wasn't even a path that I was originally going to go down. I was, I was looking for a different corporate job when I thought. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. (laughs) So what were some of those feelings you were after when you made the leap? Do you remember? Yeah. So I was at a point, I originally started looking for a new job because I was just at a point for a couple of years, I had just been feeling really restless at my job. I had a really phenomenal boss that I loved working for. I still work on projects with him today. Like he is a great friend of mine. I had a team that was just very like, they were very good at their jobs. Like they, they were a very easy team to manage. And, but I was still like coming in every morning, just feeling very restless. And I finally sort of put my finger on it and was like, I just think I've outgrown this industry. I was in financial marketing and I was like, I've been here for several years and I think I'm just ready for a new challenge because day in and day out, I'm like doing the same thing. And like year over year, I just created this like well-oiled machine. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. It works really well, but I'm just kind of getting bored. And then it got to a point where I, some things happened like within my organization that made me go, okay, I am, it is definitely time for me to start looking. Like I have outgrown this position on a personal level. And now I can see that like things are changing and I don't know if like that's the direction that I want to head in. It wasn't bad. It was just very different and just not something that I was like super excited about. So I started- At a time when you were really lacking excitement already. Yes. And so I was just like, okay, I think, I think I'm ready. I'm restless. I'm not excited. And quite honestly, if I, I was just feeling like I didn't really have enough to give anyone. Like I rushed my kids out of the house every morning, which always ended up in someone, sometimes me crying. And I would come to my job and like pour myself out to this organization and the team that I managed and the people that came to me for projects. And then I would get home. And like, by the time we got through dinner and all of that stuff, I just felt like I had no time. Like I saw my kids and my husband for like maybe a solid hour and I was stressed out. And like, I I was just like, this isn't, I need more white space. I need to feel like there is a moment where like, I am not rushing my kids to get out the door or rushing them to sit down and eat dinner or rushing to get them to bed. Like I just felt like I was rushing all the time. So then I was also like very attracted to whatever made me feel the opposite (laughs) of what I was feeling at that moment. So it was really driven by like that lack of excitement and that restlessness, but then wanting to feel like I just had more time and space in my calendar. And then I could feel like, oh, I can make, if I want to go be a room parent for an afternoon and my son's kindergarten room, I can do that. And I don't have to feel like I'm tethered to other people's expectations of me or their need from me as a manager. I just, I wanted to be kind of free. Mm, I love that. And I love how you point out sometimes the way that we get at what we want is by looking at what we don't want. I don't want to feel restless. I don't want to feel rushed. It might be another, you know, there might be some more 
cycles of growth until it's like, okay, what I want is white space. I want to feel relaxed, excited, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So I literally suggest that people redefine success in terms of how they want to feel. Like yeah. maybe you'll also write down revenue numbers and all of that stuff, but don't not acknowledge how you want to feel. And I think the way you told that story was lovely because for a lot of us, the reason that we first made the big leap can be what we continue to go back to. Excuse me, when things aren't going well, it's like, oh yeah, I've gotten rid of a lot of that white space. Or, oh yeah, now I'm great at this business that I started. I'm feeling restless again. So we can keep focusing on those feelings and and iterate. Um, An example for my business is with the revenue thing, if I was just focused on the number, let's say that I, I had a sales call with somebody and they told me, yeah, I'm like three out of 10 committed to, to making this change right now. If I'm just aware of my revenue number, I might be thinking something like, okay, how do I get her more excited about this? How do I get her over yep. the finish line so that we can work together and make some things happen? But yep. if I'm aware of my, one of my highest intentions is to feel authentic and I know from my experience that three out of 10 is really just going to waste her, her money and time because she's not going to get the results she wants. Mm -hmm. I can have that conversation. And by the way, that's what people want in a person, in a coach. It's how I want to feel. So it's, it's, um, I guess basically the, the value to me of focusing on feelings is that you are getting results quickly. I can immediately feel authentic. You can immediately feel like you have white space. You may not be able to immediately get the revenue number that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, when I talk about like your personal brand becoming your professional brand, like I, because my goal is to just be, have that white space and be so much more relaxed than what I was when I was working in my corporate job. Like that translates over to the way that I work with my clients. Like I don't get super hung up on like, Oh my gosh, like I need, I need to move this project from start to finish. And sometimes, sometimes I have to, because (laughs) you do kind of, you do have to keep making forward progress, but like it allows me also to meet them where they are and really just like you said, be very authentic. And it also kind of sets the standard for me because I'm not overscheduling myself. I'm not like working from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I'm not plugging in like after my kids go to bed, I go to bed. <laughs> like, <I don't, laughs> you know, there's on occasion and it's, it's really nice because it's only when I give myself permission to like break my own rule, like sometimes I have to come back and I have to, you know, do a little bit of extra work or something like that. Or I choose to do it because I'm like, I'm just really stressed out. And I know this like extra hour will just make me feel better waking up tomorrow morning. But it's like, it's not a necessity. I don't have to do it. And like that all translates into the brand that she spilled all the pots. <laughs> now I have to clean them up. You guys can't see this, but a very cute seven-year-old boy just carried a child over <laughs> and plopped this baby into Caitlin's lap. <laughs> it's it's pretty standard around here. Oh, look at those cheeks. <laughs> so it's just and this this right here like this is my this is my brand right like I've got kids and I 
it just, it just happens. And I want to, and it ties, we just heard your origin story. So it's like, this is what you wanted. You didn't want to spend less than an hour a day with these children. Like, I don't know. It's just really lovely to see the fruition of the dream and the work and the, yeah, absolutely. And it makes me like on some level, it, I feel like it humanizes me a little bit and it allows me to do that for my clients too. So again, I think like where you want to be on a personal level always just directly translates over to like how you operate in your business. And then it's how people relate to you and where you're going. She's going to go find something super inappropriate, I'm sure to do. She just learned to crawl. So of course she finds everything. So, all right. So you start by identifying the feelings that someone wants to have. Um, We just talked about this question. Sorry. Good thing I can edit. Okay. So you also coach your clients on how to make better decisions. Why or what does this process look like for you and for them? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing with decision-making, this is something I learned from Martha Beck originally, and it's using your body to help you make decisions. Mm. And it's actually something that, um, we haven't talked about this before, but it's much better understood experientially than me talking about it. So, uh, while, while you also halfway tend to your daughter, daughter, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, would you be up for like a very quick little demo? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This, we'll do a super mini version and I'll talk you through it. And then everybody listening, if you can also just kind of do the exercise along with Caitlin, you'll see what I mean by using your body to make business decisions. Okay. So Caitlin, I want you to think of a time, an unpleasant memory, not the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, but just something that sucked. And you don't have to tell me what it is. Okay. Just let me know when you've thought of this. All right. I've got it. Thing. Okay. Now for just a moment, I want you to go there with all of your senses. Um, and you can close your eyes if it helps either way. And remember what you saw, what you heard, what you smelled, tasted, you know, did you feel the sun against your skin or cold air? Mm -hmm. Okay. Be in that moment. You got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, now do a little scan internally, head to toe, and notice your body sensations as you sit with that memory. Mm-hmm. And let me know what you notice. If you notice any tension, looseness, hot, cold, tingling from your neck, shoulders, uh, yep. belly, down to your toes. Um, like I immediately got very fidgety, like playing with so I got very restless and fidgety and started playing with like the little doodads on my um, pants. And um, like I felt my heart rate elevated because in that moment I was very angry. Um, so I immediately like felt my heart rate elevate. I got a little bit sweaty. <laughs> just very like kind of that visceral reaction to something where you're like, I have been so wronged right now and I'm so angry about it. Awesome. Okay. Now literally shake it off like a dog after a bath. I know it feels silly, but it matters. Shake it off, shake it off. (laughs) Okay. And now we'll do the same thing 
think of a positive memory, a pleasant memory. Maybe you were with someone you loved or doing something you enjoyed. Yeah. And bring it to bring all of the senses, be there now, feel what you felt against your skin, smell what you smelled. I've got it. Okay. Way easier. And now tune into your body and let us know what you noticed in your body. It was just like this feeling of lightness that just kind of starts like just started in my chest and felt like it just kind of like radiated up, like mm -hmm. traveled to, you know, traveled up to my face, made me smile a little bit. Um, yeah, it did. Your whole face is glowing. Yes. Oh, let me rescue my daughter. Where are you going? Um, let's see what else. Um, I think I'm just sweaty in general, apparently right now. So <laughs> that might not be, <laughs> maybe I'm still coming off of the other reaction. Um, it's a good thing to notice. Yeah. So, I mean, but it sounds like there yeah. was a difference, right? Absolutely. There was a difference. And, um, would you agree that one felt more like freedom and one felt less like freedom? Oh, for sure. I, because what I pictured in my head is like, um, a moment or a feeling that like I go to, especially when I meditate. And if I'm feeling very anxious going into my meditation, like when I, cause it just always brings me this like sense of calm. It's just one of my favorite, like, um, memories of just like being and appreciating, like, the scenery and the beauty of like everything that was around me. And so, yes, mm. that's, because that's what I picture. That's lovely. So we're doing like a super mini version of this. So if anybody wants to go deeper, send me an email or something, but basically now you, you have a sense of what it feels like in your body to, for something that makes you feel free and something that doesn't. So you can use this in big and little ways. So big ways, like maybe I'm trying to decide whether I want to pursue a partnership with somebody or I'm debating whether I want to create a new group-based coaching offering. I can imagine doing the thing. And then for you, because the feeling is different for everyone, which is why we have to do exercises like this. But for you, it's like, okay, if I start fiddling my fingers and maybe sweating, we're still not sure if that's a thing, <laughs> then I know that maybe that's not the best. But if there's this lightness and I smile as I think about it, yes, more of that. Yeah. And it applies even at the little, little minute. It's like big business decision making, but also for me, like how I make my to-do list, I can check in. Or the biggest one is if I'm sitting there trying to word craft an email and it's one that stresses me out a little bit, um, before I hit send, I check in. And if I, for me, it's like turned in shoulders and an upset stomach and tightness in my throat. If I notice that it's like, okay, Mandy, your personal rule is you don't hit send, you go take a break. And it's just, it's really helpful. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a really good exercise. I, always kind of go and maybe on like some, I think you're probably taking me through um, like the logic behind the way I sort of manage some of this stuff. But 
have a very similar like process. If I not process, um, it's a gut reaction, like I said, and I think you're taking me through like the logistics of it. But if something is just adding to my stress and making me feel like very tense and like fidgety and not, you know, just not good about it. I am very similar in that I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away and like reassess this and decide if it's something that's worth doing or not. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. And if it's something, it's not something I always have the luxury to do as a newer business because I, it requires cash flow. But the things that I don't enjoy doing, if they're bringing me that icky feeling on a regular basis, then they're things that like I prioritize is like, okay, when I, when I do feel like I, I have the funds to outsource something, like I go to my list and I go, okay, what are these things do I not like? And what Lovely makes me feel example. super icky. Yeah. And then I'm going to hand that off to someone else because going back to like, I just want to feel because those things for me then feel end up feeling very inauthentic. If I hate doing them, then it just feels very inauthentic, which is literally the opposite of my my brand. Like I named my business authentic branding and marketing. So if it feels inauthentic, like it's gotta go. And so those are the things that then, like I said, I outsource. They're still really important and I recognize their value. It's just that when I do them, it comes off like very disingenuous. And so those are the things that I prioritize and I get off my plate as quickly as I can. But I like how you like put the, like the psychology to it, I guess. I don't know if that's yeah. very yeah. intense, but that seems like what you did. Um, and so- I like that. It seems like you're very aware of your your sensory reactions, which is really good. Because I think another place that in entrepreneurship, this is so helpful is like we do scary things all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And scary is uncomfortable, but there's this subtle difference between how it feels to do something that's that's right for you, that's aligned with your vision, that's scary, and something that just isn't right for you. It tends to not feel constricting. It's something else in your body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, shifting gears just a little bit, let's dive in to the iterate step. So you mentioned earlier that um, this came from your tech background, and you and I talked about this a little bit, and I think it's really important on our pre-call, and I think it's really important, like, as you are thinking about your business, as you think about your marketing, as you think about what you want to do personally, what does iterate for your clients mean and why is it important for women who are looking to make a change to understand and go through that process? Yes. This is like one of the top things. It's one of those things that for me comes really naturally, but for my clients ends up being really, really valuable. Um, which probably is a sign that I should be focusing more on that because it's like just easy for me. But anyway, um, (laughs) Iterate is about taking easy action. So in the software world, it's we know that we want to put the smallest feature set out into the world so that we can get feedback and not waste time building features that nobody really needs. 
And in the life work improvement world, that means taking those easy actions in a very similar way so that you can get feedback from people and from yourself. So you're, you're taking those steps, noticing what's going on in your body and your mind and learning what you want and don't want. And then you're also getting confidence because people are actually able to interact with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think with entrepreneurship, there's so many, the example for me is people oftentimes want to have this like, you know, five-year plan before they've taken any step. They want to talk for an hour and know exactly what their dream career is. Bada bing, boom, bada boom. But it just doesn't work like that. So as an example, um, when I first got into speaking, I had this idea that I wanted a really interactive workshop that I could give to multiple audiences and just get better and better at it, right? Marketers talk about this all the time. Reusable content, really nail your framework and get it out there. But like I it couldn't figure that all out before I took any step. Yeah. I think back to my very first, and I did lots of speaking as a you know manager in software. I talked to crowds of a hundred plus about all kinds of things and had interaction. But the first time that I stood up there as a coach and a business owner was totally different. It was like five people in a room at a library. God bless John for letting me speak at his meetup. Um, but one of the biggest takeaways from that, um, it was so fun. It was like, it was called life lessons from my dog. And I had so Mm -hmm. many slides, Caitlin, I had so much content and I (laughs) talked so fast. I might even be talking now because I just do, but I legit talked fast. (laughs) And, um, at the end I asked everybody to share their biggest takeaway with the group. And one woman pointed out a moment when I had asked, I was talking about gratitude and I asked the group, if they had a gratitude journal, if they had a gratitude practice. So this woman said, you know, when you ask that question, everybody else in the room said yes. And I don't have a gratitude practice. So I feel like that's a sign that that's something that I want to do. And for me, I walked away with that recognition that it doesn't matter what I say. Like, I don't need a million slides. It's an experience that I'm creating. Mm -hmm. And the people in the room bring so much more to it. Like every workshop is different. It's about those people in the room and how can I help them, you know, help each other really. Yes. So that totally transformed the way my, you know, reusable workshop looks, you know, now it's like 12 slides and people are talking with each other the whole time. And I, I, I really appreciate that story because I think this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. I know it's something that like has been on my mind a ton recently, but I've been like afraid to admit it because I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is not a good look. I am having a brand identity crisis, which I go is not a good look for (laughs) a branding and expert. (laughs) So um, I will say it's so much harder, I think, to like turn your skill set in on yourself. Um, But that also sounds like a platitude that I'm offering. Um, But I don't, I have, I have been like working myself up to talking about this because, um, I think my, one of my goals is to like normalize this journey a little bit more than what you see on Instagram. And you talk about, you know, how a lot of times, and it's, it's true. Marketers 
push kind of for that like reusable content because it's easier to scale with that. Like when you don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time something comes in, like it just makes your life so much easier. So it's a really, it is good. However, there is a process for everyone of iterating and that isn't different when it comes to your brand. And like, I will say one of the things that I have been thinking about is like, I went all in on my brand. I was like, I'm going to help female entrepreneurs and startups. And I love that. That's the space that I want to be in. So I went all in, like I, I paid for website stuff. Like I just, I invested. <laughs> okay. And then like, as I started to go, like that was upfront, right? Cause I was just like, I know the things I have to do. Dude, I, I do the same things. Yep. And I did them. <laughs> um, oh. And then as time has gone on, I've been like, well, okay, maybe I want to shift this a little bit. And then, so then I had this, I, I had a consultation with, um, <laughs> a woman um with her actually she was one of my she's my first guest beth um ryan powers beth powers ryan i always mix up her new names um but i had a consultation with her because she helps create courses online courses and i have a workshop that i want to turn into a course and i told her this story she asked me a question tell her this whole story about like the genesis of this workshop and she asked me to price it out and well, she asked me who my target audience is and who she priced it out. And as a marketer, I failed miserably because I gave the exact opposite answer of what I knew I should be giving because it's different than what I'm focusing on now. And I have been like in this little like identity crisis for a while, which is like, do I really want to continue focusing where I'm at? I do, but my skill set has been like honed and is like the most valuable and I'm attracting clients from this other, like this small, so like I'm attracting these small market marketing teams from corporate environments who are like, oh my gosh, we need your help. Like you're really good at this. And I was just like, oh, and she totally caught like, she was just like, okay, here's what I'm going to tell you you should do. She was like, just, you know, an observer's opinion. And it threw me into this crisis. And then when you and I had our conversation and you were like, well, we go through this like iteration. I was like, yes, you. So you talk about like iterating these steps, like as you get out. And I think it's so important. I think it's probably like the most valuable, like if I could go back in time and like tell myself to iterate slowly and kind of adapt the process that you talk about, I don't know if I would be avoiding the pro the place that I'm in now, but I certainly would like probably be a little bit more comfortable with it and not feeling so like insecure about the fact that like, oh, maybe I want to change what I'm doing a little bit or like tweak. I'm not necessarily tweaking my offering and tweaking my audience. And I would probably like not be so hung up on that process if I had known about this, like. Early. Yes. Yes. And I want to share the other thing because it can be so easy. I think for us to, I don't know who us is for me and a lot of people I talk to, to get into a shame spiral. <laughs> Her son is here. 
<laughs> I will continue my thought in a second. Okay. Thank awesome. you. You can take that. Take that and go. Don't. Okay. What a sweetheart. Um, yes. Okay. So the sh this sh it can be easy to get into kind of a guilt-shame spiral around this. So the thing that I keep reminding myself is it doesn't matter what I've done, like, it's easy to think that I wasted time. And if I would have known this before, it would have saved me time. But the reality is we had to go through all that. Yeah. When I look back my first year and I quit my job, the first time that I made revenue as a coach was like the day after my last day in my career, which was awesome. Right. Also then like six months passed and I didn't make any money. And I kept thinking, I need to speak. I need to do this. I need to network, mm -hmm. but I didn't do it. And I think I just, that was my journey. Like I had to sit on my ass messing up for like a year before I invested in a business coach and then actually started speaking. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, it is what it is. It's very true. It's very true. And I think it just doesn't get talked about very much right now. Never. You know, everybody. <laughs> Never. Like, just like, just like, I make a million dollars. Mm -hmm. Here's how to quickly make a million dollars. And I'm like, yeah. I don't believe you. I, yes. Yes. It's been, this has been a common theme that I have brought up um, in several conversations recently. It's just, yes, you just kind of have to go through this process. And you're exactly right. There's this one of my favorite songs, um, which is actually like my Instagram quote today, if I remember correctly, because I couldn't think of anything else, but it's a quote and it says like, if I had the chance to change, I wouldn't change a thing because it made me all of who I am today. And mm -hmm. like, I just kind of come back to that. And like what you just said about, you know, you just, you have to go through that. If I changed it, I might not end up in the same spot or I might end up in the same exact spot because I have to go through this to get to where I am today. Yeah. Can I share one more random thing in case yeah. anyone listening is niche struggling like you are yeah. and like I am, by the way, um, someone just shared with me in a community I'm in, um, it's called heart of business. If anybody out there is spiritual interested in something that blends business coaching with spirituality. And she said um, to remember that for her, she uses this analogy that your relationship with your niche is not a marriage. It's, it's just a relationship. It's just like a friendship and it can change and morph over time. She's like, for me, my, my marriage is to the divine and to God. And that's what stays constant. And the niche changes. And, you know, as I change, as the world changes, and that just oh, it made me like breathe a sigh of relief. You know, because it's like, like this is just the pressure off. <laughs> yeah. And to, to have that feeling that like, I'm not messing up and changing a bunch because there is this core of me that's the same. I'm still wanting to serve people. I'm still figuring out who I am. The niche is just one way that that expresses itself. Definitely. I like, I like that a lot. And it kind of, so it kind of segues into the next question that I had because you've, so as you talk about like just kind of staying true to just overall like your core and your center and who you are, like you focus a lot on gratitude and abundance, which um, I think is just really 
also a very critical part to when you're going like as an entrepreneur, it's kind of critical to keep those things in mind because it's really easy to get sidetracked with all of the like hard stuff that comes with it and to kind of like lose focus on, on part of it. So how, how does somebody who's listening, how do they cultivate that like real, that kind of higher relationship that you were just talking about? Like, how do they get that clarity? And then how do they kind of cultivate that gratitude and abundance and the things that sort of like tie back to that original, like, how do you feel about this? Mm, yeah. Decisions. Okay. So many things. So first from like a very practical level for the people that want a checklist, like practicing gratitude for me, the way to go about it, that's most effective has been consistency. Uh, it's, it's like, I started keeping a nightly gratitude journal, for example, and I probably did it consistently for three years or something. And eventually it's just become for the most part, part of how I approach the world. It's just automatic for me to think in these terms, not always, and definitely not always in 2020. So I step up my game, but generally that's kind of the deal. So consistency and specificity, like I love to write, you know, man, I am so grateful for the, um, the other day I was on a call and I was hungry cause I had to rush to the call. And I asked my husband if he could real quick, make me some toast or something. And he quietly stepped into the office. Mm, I'm getting emotional and brought me a piece of peanut buttered toast cut in half. And he took like three dates and broke them in half and removed the pit and arranged them in this cute little circle around the plate. Like, yeah. and it's, it generates so many warm, fuzzy feelings when I think of that instead of just thinking, oh, I'm grateful for my husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So consistency, specificity. I feel like usually there's a third. Oh, the third thing I typically say is to focus on what, where you don't have gratitude. Like for some people, it's very natural. There's, oh, I'm grateful for my family. Or like you already are, but you're pissed off about your business not growing. So let's focus there. Like where can you find gratitude for the work that you've already done in developing your niche for the fact that these, this new business is coming to you from a place you didn't expect. Um, the example I always come back to is when I, very early on, I already mentioned to you that like there was a long period of time where I did not, get out there and do stuff that I knew that I, that would be effective for me to do. Yeah. So I had this, I was just really stuck to this number. I still know it. $285. That's what that first client paid me. And so I remember working with a coach or somebody, I don't, probably my peer coach, um, on like, I just kept saying 285, like I've only made 285 and they're like, it's not that number. There's no way that that's the only abundance that's not the only money that's come into your life. So I want you to create a spreadsheet and write down all the ways that money's actually flowing into your life. And I realized like, for example, there was some, something with stock options or something from a past employer. And I just got like a thousand dollars out of the blue. Uh, so I put that in, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's money. Or, um, I went to the grocery store, this little neighborhood shop and bought a loaf of bread And he gave me a jar of peppers in sauce. 
And if I wasn't thinking this way, Caitlin, I feel like I would have been like, damn it. Now I got to figure out how am I going to cook? What am I going to cook this with? Like, I don't need these peppers, (laughs) but I was doing this practice and was like, wow, how awesome. And I put in my freaking spreadsheet. There's like, there was a line item, $7 worth of peppers or whatever it was. Um, so anyway, I feel like abundance can really shift the way you're looking at the dissatisfying aspect of your life. I, that's like, those are like the sweetest stories. And I think it is all of those little things. My son is very, um, I have not read the love languages book, but I have like heard enough about them. I promise this is going back to like your story, but it reminded me, your story of your husband reminded me of my son. He, so he is like super into making gifts. He gifts like sometimes we have to rein him in and we have to be like, buddy, you can't make the neighbor 10 gifts in two days. (laughs) As sweet as it is, like it's just, some people like their gifts to come to them slowly or like spaced out over time, you know, but it's just his way of like connecting with people. And he does, he, um, he writes me these little, like, so I don't know. Um, school is something that they, he like drew as he, but he wrote, it says mom's office and he stuck it on my computer and I didn't even know. Right. And then he, when we told him and his sister that we were having another baby, like back in, oh my gosh, I don't even remember when, a long time ago, um, over a year ago, he like, cause he had been dying. He, is, he had been asking for so long for a sibling. He clearly felt like he was going to like level up over what his sister had to offer him. <laughs> <laughs> And he didn't really, he didn't really know what he was in for, but he had been begging and begging and begging and asking, like we'd drive by stores and be like, is that the store where you go to buy babies? I was like, first of all, you don't buy babies, but we told him and he got so excited and then he disappears and he runs away and he comes back and I still have this sticky note hanging on our fridge. He wrote me a note that said, congratulations, mom, I love you. Oh. And I was just like, and it's those little and things. was he like six? Yeah. Five? He was six, six. And he was uh, starting to write. You can't, like, if you saw it, you would have no idea what it said because, like, obviously, you know, as a kindergartner, he had no idea how to, like, write congratulations. But just that little, I was so grateful for just, like, I could have said, like, I'm just grateful for my son, but, like, his heart and his little, just the, you know, the little things that he does. And he does this all the time. If he sees his sister is having a bad day, which admittedly he contributes to sometimes, he will be like, I'm going to make her a gift. So the other day he made her a pinata and filled it with candy so that they could play with Oh, wow. You know, like he just does all these little things. And so that has translated. I have a planner that I use and on a daily basis, it asks like in the morning before I plan my day and at the end when I'm done, like it has me go through like lessons learned and it has me go through in the beginning, in the morning, it's just gratitude. And then at night it's lessons learned and gratitude. And a lot of times the lessons learned fuel that evening gratitude list to say, okay, it might've really sucked that, um, 
I lost out on like a proposal that I said, like I lost out on that client, didn't get them, that stinks. So I'll write down my lessons learned, you know, like why, why do I think maybe that happened? And then it usually ends up coming back around. And then I'm grateful because I'm like, you know what? I probably wouldn't have recognized that like gap or that area that needed to be improved if I hadn't lost out on that. And that paints a really rosy picture. That's not how it always happens. (laughs) But I think as, again, as entrepreneurs and small business owners and things like that, you have to, you have to work to kind of be in that space. And again, I think it all just kind of translates back to if that's the way that like you approach your personal practices and how you kind of manage yourself, that comes back to like how you can interact with your clients and how you can bring out this like authenticity in every interaction that you have. Because if I can show myself that kind of grace, then when I'm working with a client, I can help I can show that grace to them. Maybe they ghost me for three months and I like can't get a hold of them. I'm like, what happened to you? Where did you go? What's happening? And they come back and they're like, okay, you know, here's, here's what happened. And they've, they've been in their own personal muck, right? If I can extend myself grace, I can, I can show it to them or I can look for ways that like I can shift within the contract and be like, okay, you know, this is what we originally said we were going to work on. But like, you just went through a really like tough time here. Like I can, let me transfer some of this around and maybe I can help you if you're okay with like changing kind of our terms and stuff like that. I'd love to be able to help serve you in this way. Cause I think it's more valuable to you. And I think again, like the stuff that you're talking about, the work that you have to do on a personal level, it just naturally makes that transition over to how you come through in your business. And then how you work with your clients and it just kind of, it creates that like ripple effect of authenticity. And I think it's just important because if you're not authentic with yourself, there's no way your business is going to be. It's just, to me, it's impossible. I don't see how you separate the two of them. Yes. And for me, that authenticity can be substituted with back to those feelings, whatever, gratitude, joy. There's so much about modeling by like a, a lot of my clients end up um, saying things like, oh man, I love how you are helping me choose what I want to do instead of what I have to do. Or like, I love how you keep reminding me that it's important that I have fun. Or like, you know, I didn't realize that this aspect of my business could be fun and playful. So I'm really glad that you're like focusing me there, focusing me there. And that all comes down to, I want to feel joyful. I want to have a light playfulness to the way that I live my life. And so that's part of what my business is. And yeah, some of it is coaching, but some of that is just modeling, you know, just, um, I don't know. No, I think you're, I think you're exactly, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like it's, some of it is just, it just comes down to like, that's who you naturally are. And that, that, that's going to come out. Like you could set the intention to like, not let it come out, but it's but gonna. It's, it's going to like, there's, there's no way that you can like separate that and hide that and change it. And so. Well, and I, for some people there's, um, guilt depending on what it is you want and where you are at. There can be, 
you know, that idea, maybe I shouldn't be joyful because I'm helping with, you know, cause the world's a mess or whatever. Um, but when we think about it in terms of the way both of us have just talked about, I think you can see it as a really generous act. Like for me to take time out of my work day, to go take a walk outside so that I feel relaxed and present and joyful is serving my clients. It's not selfish, you know, like being my most joyful self is a generous act. Yeah. I think it's, yes. I don't, I don't think I even have like anything else to, I think that's just like a perfect little summary of like why you have to focus on those things. Um, okay. So switching gears yet, yet again, because <laughs> I want to be, um, mindful of getting through kind of all these, all these great thoughts too. So a lot of women struggle with confidence. And when you're not confident about the changes you want to make, you're not confident about how you want to feel, how you want to go into whatever the next phase of or next iteration of you is. Um, they, I found that it really leads to a lack of clarity which is also something that like you work with your clients on quite a bit. So how do you help your folk, your clients focus in and find their confidence and find their clarity? And what does that loop kind of look like when you're working with clients? Yeah, good question. Confidence is such a big thing. Even if we think that we're confident, once we start doing really scary things, it's natural that we're going to be thrown off. I've met very few people that are just like, you know, very, even fewer women who are just totally sure of themselves as they're doing things that they've never done before. Mm -hmm. um, so we were talking about taking easy action. That's a big part of it. And I, I talk about, I use the phrase evidence-based confidence because there's the like, you know, affirmational route. I am successful. I am a six-figure earning coach. And there's just the very real... I don't know what I was going to say, but I, I speak like better in examples. Tangible. Yeah. So like I have an actual document that I save called coaching warm fuzzies. And I started it a long time ago. And it was like, anytime, um, I coach someone and they say something, which is every time I coach someone. So I don't do it all the time anymore, but I was every time I would capture those quotes in that document, or I would capture things that I'd done or even, you know, my education, things like that, where if I'm having a low day, when I'm having a low day, I can look back at that and be like, oh yeah, that person walked away feeling so much more calm about the fact that her boyfriend hasn't proposed to her. And I did that. And that's evidence that I'm a good coach. Yeah. Cause that's one of my like stories is I'm not a good coach. Um, and I told that story about giving the talk, that first talk, like I can't confidently give this beautifully created workshop to thousands of people and expect to feel any kind of confidence when I haven't yet done it in front of five people at a library. Like mm -hmm. that was a much lower pressure way. And, um, you know, with that, I told you that I specifically asked what their biggest takeaway was. That's super intentional, both for their learning, of course, so that they walk right. away remembering right. what they want to remember. And it's also intentional for me because that feeds my evidence. Okay. I know that all of those people actually took something away yeah. and that matters when we're doing really scary stuff. It just does. Yeah. 
I, I like that. I like that a lot. I've never been able to like buy into like the mantras. Like it just makes me feel ridiculous to like look in the mirror and be like, you are an amazing, strong, confident woman. And see, I can't even, I can't even say it seriously right now. It just doesn't work for me. It doesn't feel authentic. It's just, I can't do it. I can't take myself seriously, but I might get a good laugh out of it if I did it to myself. So maybe, you know, maybe that's a win. There's value there. (laughs) There there is. But I love the, I love the idea of evidence-based because it is something like concrete that you can like come back to and say, and like, see it, it's tangible. And you can't, you can't refute that fact. You know, if you write down something, like you said, a a client who walks away feeling calmer about her boyfriend not proposing to her, like, that's true. You can't refute that. I could, if I am standing in front of a mirror telling myself that I'm like, a six figure, amazing, super woman, whatever. Um, like I can refute that. Cause I can look around and be like, but I'm not like, <laughs> I can look at my bank account and be like, yeah, still, still missing those six figures. Like, you know, I'm, I haven't gotten there yet. And so I like the idea of like grounding it, um, in something that like is tangible that you can see and come back to, because then, then I think too, it helps with that clarity. It helps with that iteration process that you speak to, because if you hear the same thing over and over and over again, or like you're, you start to see kind of a trend on that list, you can go, okay, like maybe there's something here. Like maybe that's a great point. You know, maybe if I continue to see, I'll use myself for example, like, Maybe if I continue to see corporate clients pop up that are telling me how much I've changed their ability to like manage their marketing well, maybe I need to go back and like iterate and look at and consider, you know, updating my niche or updating my brand a little bit. Like it's not, it's all like a learning process and it's all really good. So I like that. I like that a lot. Now I'm, now I'm thinking of all the things that I'm like going to start doing myself. Yes. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Um, okay. So last, last part, you speak to a process called refactoring, which I thought was also really interesting. What does it mean to refactor and how can women or entrepreneurs are hoping to make a change, use this step in your process to make forward progress towards their goals? That's a super long question. It didn't look that long when I typed it out. It's okay. I have it in my head and it's like, (laughs) um, one of my favorite things to talk about. I think I've already said that before. (laughs) I guess I really like talking about all this I say it all the time. Every episode, I'm like, this is my favorite topic. So yeah, so we're in the third step. We started talking about this framework. It's plan, iterate, refactor. So refactor in the software world. And I know the engineers out there are rolling their eyes because it's not exactly true, but, but sort of what it means is we need to, because we're building software quickly and doing small feature sets so we can get real feedback, at some point we have to go back to the foundation and rework things so that it serves not only the product that we thought we would build, but it serves now the, it supports the, the opportunities that we're now seeing. It supports this bigger product that we realize we can be building. 
maybe not even bigger, but different. Sure. So in the life coaching, life work improvement world, it's very similar, except it, the idea is question your thoughts because you're going to come up, you're going to sort of peel back the layers as you take real world action and find these limiting beliefs that are getting in your way. Um, so I think of, for example, there's a client I had who was brand new to her business. Um, we started working together like day one and in one of our, maybe like second or third calls, I had her update me on what's been going on. And she listed all this great things, these great things. She didn't have any clients yet, but she had taken a bunch of action, been really intentional. And I reflected back to her what I was hearing. And in doing so, I referred to those as wins. Mm-hmm. And that set us down a path because she, she was like, I refuse to count these things as wins. And it's like, okay, interesting. Why? Mm-hmm. And what we got to at the root was this belief that she couldn't be successful. She expected rejection because she just thought I can't be successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not all that interested in the childhood and life experiences that created this belief. It's just, we all have beliefs like this that get in our way. So the interesting thing to me is that there are actually tools that I didn't know for 32 years of my life that can change those beliefs so that we can move past them. Um, so we did this work together and you know, it's, it's complicated. It's something you can do one-on-one with a coach. If you want to go the DIY route, the most efficient, effective method I've found is Byron Katie stuff, which anybody can go to the work.com and get it. Um, and it's like, I've used it for everything in my life. It's improved my relationship with my dad. I use it to try to figure out my internalized racism. I use it for little tiny things. Like I was irritated with my husband cause he wanted to buy a truck and, um, it helped me get over that. Like it <laughs> has wide applications. And for this person, she quickly after that got her first client and, you know, more importantly was enjoying herself, you know, having fun instead of feeling all that pressure. Right. So when I say refactor, that's really what it is. It's you're taking, you're figuring out what you want, the feelings you want to pursue. You're taking real life action, just baby steps to get clarity and confidence, figure out what it is you like and don't like what you're good at. And then it's refactoring because every time you do something scary, this new thing is going to come up Mm. like some new, some new belief is going to get in your way. Cause I almost believe sometimes I believe that our beliefs are the only thing standing in our way. I'm like close to that. I got to be up there like 90%. Yeah. Although I'm also like a very privileged white person. So that's pretty much bullshit, but somebody's (laughs) beliefs are standing in the way. For sure. Totally. I like, I like that concept, this idea of, my husband just got home, so he's, there we go. Um, I, I like this concept because again, it's a very like tangible way or very, um, actionable way to kind of address some of those beliefs because they are, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that your beliefs can, can really hold you back. Um, that does come from like a place of privilege, like you said, but, um, I also think that like, it really just kind of ties back to, and it really just, it kind of puts you back into that loop, right. Of 
how do I feel about this? Now I'm going to iterate off of this. Now I'm going to refactor this. And it's just like a nice little way to tie the whole process together and go back and say, okay, now I'm just going to start this process. I'm going to start this process over again because the work's never really done. Like you're still, you're always just kind of working on insert anything. You're always working on it. And I think it's a really nice little way to like tie it up neatly. Can I tell you one um, really fun refactor story? Yes, please. From my life. Okay. This is like anybody that follows me knows that I love creative writing, like coaching and writing are my two favorite things. Well, it's a much longer list and running and dogs, whatever. (laughs) Um, I've been working on a memoir for like five years and I've long thought that this was going to be my first book. It's about overcoming depression and it's sticky. I write about my mom dying when I was seven. I write about feeling rejected by my family, like all this heavy stuff. And I was really disappointed sort of at the end of last year when I realized that I wasn't going to finish it anytime soon. Like there was just a kind of a hole in the manuscript that I uncovered with the help of some really lovely writer friends and was like, oh, okay, there's still years to go with this baby. So I was at a low point when I came across a website, the tiny book course. Okay. And this is like, this is also a story I come back to internally when I am thinking about marketing their marketing changed my mindset. Their marketing was like, a book doesn't have to be a 500 word literary masterpiece. Tiny books are a big deal. Tiny books, tiny books inspire people and change the world. And they had lots of examples, evidence to back up these really small books that have made a big difference. And somehow that, that was a refactor for me. And in less than two months, I had an idea. I wrote a book. I worked with an editor. I got it published. All of that stuff. Like, it was super fun. And I think with this thought work, what's, um, what seems sort of airy fairy magical about it is that it can be that fast. Cause it's sort of like, I picture a river and we're standing, there's like a river with a gate or something blocking the water. And we're in front of the gate and we see just a little bit of water trickling through. And it's like, God, how am I going to write my book? I don't know what to write about just all this. But meanwhile, all the inspiration is piling up behind that gate. All that water is ready to flow. We just have to notice that there's a gate and then use these kinds of tools to lift the gate. And then this, the river flows through. And it's not always like that, but sometimes it's like that where it's just like, whew, okay, now that that belief is off, now that I'm no longer worried about not being good enough or whatever the thing is, you know, I can execute with almost easily. It's almost like I just know exactly what to do and I do it and it's easy. Yeah. I, that's a really fantastic illustration. I, as you're like talking about this, I'm, I'm like, I've got to have, I've got to have a refactor story. And I am just like coming up, coming up blank. Like I should have, um, I should have been more prepared for that little anecdote, but your story I think is really kind of very perfect in the way that, um, again, like you just, you're able to take this process and that's, I'm I'm just going to, See, now I've like lost my, this is why Caitlin has questions and why she, (laughs) why I cannot. Well, you are, you are reminding me of something where it's like, um, I was realizing the other day as I was like signing books and sending out some thank you notes to people that it felt like that to me. It felt like, okay, I got the block off and then boom, the river flowed. 
but yeah. there was so much that went into that river. I just wasn't benefiting it from it because like I had these mental blocks. Like I had been going to writers groups. People have been critiquing my work. I had the joy of doing a workshop this summer with Hope Edelman, which is this author that I really admire. And she wrote an endorsement for me. So now my book on Amazon has this endorsement from a number one New York Times bestselling author. And, you know, I have an accountability buddy that has been meeting with me every week for a year or something and encouraging me through all my ups and downs. So it's kind of like, there are a lot of things um, that we maybe don't realize or don't give us, give us, give ourselves and our communities credit for because we just haven't got to the finish line. Um, and it reminded me of that gratitude practice of mm-hmm. like, maybe I do need to infuse a little bit more of that so that I can be seeing all of these little little moments where people are helping me along the way, even though it's not like to fruition yet, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's, I think it's really great. And I, um, I appreciate like you kind of sharing your personal story and everything that like you have gone through, because again, my, my goal not only is not just to teach people about marketing, but also to kind of pull in some of these tangential topics so that you can kind of, again, I can normalize the journey of this process because it's messy, it's uncomfortable, it requires a lot of work. I think mindset is a huge portion of that. I almost hate seeing how often it gets talked about in like this, um, it gets mindset. I think it's thrown around in a really like unfair way sometimes to the point where like you said, it kind of feels like airy and fairy and people are like, all right, really does this matter? But it totally does. And it really, it all kind of translates over to that journey, that process that you go through. And again, like how you show up in your, in your business, in your life. And it all just kind of comes together. So I really appreciate you sharing your stories and I know there's a ton of takeaways that I have, I have made for myself just listening to you talk. So I appreciate that time and an effort. Um, so before, before we wrap up though, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Go ahead and tell us, plug away. Yes. Yes. Go to coachkupacek.com. If you want to read my new book, by the way, it's called my tender, loving self-care journal. I freaking love it. It's adorable. Um, so you'll see a link to that right there. And, um, you'll also see if you want to get, I have a workbook for redefining success. So when we started talking about those feelings, if you want to get some help figuring out what those feeling words are for you, and then therefore your brand, um, you can sign up right on my homepage, coachkupacheck.com and get your workbook. It is. I downloaded that workbook. It is very helpful and useful. Also, you will end up getting super fun emails from Andy. They're some of my favorite. Mm, uh, and I am very excited. I'm excited to check out your book and see it. So thank you for your time and all of your insight today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was delightful. Such an insightful conversation. I am so happy I was able to connect with Mandy and I hope as you listen today, you gave yourself the permission and grace you need to really dig in and use her process to help you understand what you feel success is for you and how you want to move forward with your business so you can be truly happy. 
And as always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other women like you find this podcast. Until next time.